Welcome to Category Is. I'm Justin. I'm Maurice. And thanks for joining us for another week at Category Is. Yeah, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you get a notification every time we drop a new episode. And don't forget to like us on all things social media. You can follow us at Category Is Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And be sure to send us a listener letter, a shout out, a recommendation. Our email address is categoryispod at gmail.com. Yes. How was your weekend, Maurice? My weekend was good. I actually went down to Virginia okay. to visit my new little niece. She's about 10 weeks old Aww. right now. Yeah. And so I went down to see her. I waited a little while because newborns kind of scare me. I'm just terrified of newborns. Why? Because they're so small and they're so fragile, and I just feel like I'm going to break them. So I kind of wait till they get like a little bit older, and then I feel more comfortable. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that, that's strange, but, but I also understand where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, so I went down there to see her, and she's so cute. Aww. She has these chubby little cheeks, and they're just so cute. Yeah, you sent me a picture. She uh, looks like a little baby doll. She does. <laughs> she does. She's Aww. so cute. And I just, like, spent the whole weekend just, like, holding her and feeding her. And Aww. she was just, you know, like, looking up at me. And I'm just like, oh, Uncle Mo. so cute. Yeah. And my, um, so both of my brothers live in Virginia. So my younger brother came up, and uh, we had, you know, like, family time, just three brothers back together again and my sister-in-law was there and you know my other nephew was there my other niece and it was cool lovely yeah had a really nice weekend family time is just always amazing so so yeah just you know had a really enjoyable weekend lovely i'm so happy thanks it was fun the only bad thing was the traffic coming back yeah it took me like five hours to get back from from Northern Virginia. It like should the take DMV about area? three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it should take about three hours, but traffic coming back on Sunday was horrible. Like and for no reason because like mm. there was one point where this woman she just decided to park her car perpendicular <laughs> to traffic. Are you serious? And she was just blocking two lanes of was traffic. Was it an accident? No. She was just sitting there chilling. What? Yeah. Oh hell no. Yeah. She would have got fought. I mean I would have fought her. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Backed up for miles, and wow. then um, at some point they shut like a bridge down. So we were just sitting there. I was on the bridge. What bridge? Uh, it's the Tidings um, Bridge. It's in Maryland. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was stuck on there for about forty-five minutes, and then like another point, traffic just came to a halt, and it just took it just took forever. Damn. Yeah. But other than that, it was worth. Um, it was worth it. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. How was yours? I had a family-filled weekend as well, mm-hmm. uh, but just not with my family, but I went to Atlanta. ATL, uh, shouting. Yes, to meet my boyfriend's family, his mm-hmm. mother, his aunts, his niece, and it was just a lovely, lovely time okay. getting to, like, you know, just see where he's from mm-hmm. and kind of understand him more. Because okay. I think that when you go to where someone was raised yeah. and the environment that reared yeah, them, yeah. in addition to the people who raised them, you kind of, like... Understand them a little bit more. Yeah, you learn a lot about about them in that moment. And just like a lot that you can learn from not even like having to talk. Mm -hmm. It's just observing and seeing. So Mm -hmm. it was a lovely weekend. We had a great time. Did y'all go to the OLG? We did not. (laughs) (laughs) We were joking. He's like, do you want to go to anywhere in particular in Atlanta? Uh I was like, I want to go to OLG. He just made a face. Really? I was just joking Uh because I heard the food was really, really salty. Really? Not that flavorful. I just heard it takes a long time. And it takes a long time. Um, But we ended up going to brunch with some of his old friends Mm -hmm. at this place called the um, Atlanta Breakfast Club. Okay. And it was a long line. Mm-hmm. We didn't take reservations. And then we found out that they didn't serve alcohol. I Ooh, was I got ready to go. Yeah. How you don't serve alcohol? Yeah. At brunch. Well, it was, was it Sunday? No. Oh, okay. That was Saturday. Okay. And on Sunday, we did go to like um, a later brunch. Mm-hmm. Well, I was still during brunch time at Mary Max Tea Room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you've been there? I have heard of it. I've never okay. actually it's like, been there. It's like... An, Atlanta Institution, Mm -hmm. I guess. It was really, really Really? amazing soul food. I absolutely loved it. Did they Um, have alcohol? They did, and I drank it. Okay. (laughs) It's weird because in the South, they have blue laws, Mm -hmm. and before a certain time on Sunday, like, you can't buy certain things. And a lot of places, you can't buy or, like, consume alcohol. So, like, restaurants don't serve alcohol on Sundays. And I think it's, like, it's one of those old antiquated laws where, you know, they say people should be in church at this time so you can't you know buy certain things you can't buy like 
You can buy food, but you can't buy like articles of clothing, household items, and something else. But definitely, so it's like limited to essentials. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Alabama has the blue laws. In, in addition to a whole bunch of other horrible yeah. laws. Ugh, that was a mess last week. But you know, that, I saw, because everyone was talking about, you know, it's, it's the white men and they're the ones trying to hold these women back. Mm-hmm. But the governor of Alabama is a, woman. a white woman. Yeah. But don't think that, you know, these men aren't running her. You know what I'm saying? And well, that just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you can't or that you're um, that you're not susceptible, rather, mm-hmm. to the patriarchy. Well, that's true. You too. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So sometimes you might think that just because someone shares some characteristics that you have mm-hmm. that um, would put you in the same common interests, they could be your biggest enemy. Hillary yeah. learned that with those white women. <laughs> last yes. election. Sometimes they will be treacherous. Mm-hmm. All right, child. Well, let's get into the next part of the segment, which we love every week. Yes. It's what you're drinking. <laughs> what are we drinking today? Y'all, we get to uh, celebrate Rosé season. <laughs> Rosé season is upon us. It's We're getting coming. a head yeah. start. Yeah. But um, it is time. It is. Rosé season... I think the official start is like Memorial Day. Okay, well, we're like just, a lot of things. You know, like, you know, you can wear white. Right. Yeah. <laughs> white pants. It's officially white summer. It's you know the start of the summer season. So right. This rosé season, we are starting it off with a. What is this? I don't know, child. This one I'm looking right down at the states, though. It says a hundred percent Negret. Ooh. <laughs> no. Where do you get this from? Uh, the, um. Wine and spirits. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's negrettes. 100% negrette. You ain't know? I'm only 86% Ooh. according <laughs> to my ancestry. My 23andMe. Right. Well, Rosé, y'all, it's like a pinkish blush wine. Yeah. I'm sure you see it in the wine store. This one's kind of a little bit dry, mm-hmm. um, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. And all you guys know, I'm a big red wine drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, I only drink red wine primarily in the fall and winter months. I will have red wine at dinner time sometimes in the summer, but a dry red wine mm-hmm. uh, is not the best thing to be drinking when it's hot, hot as hell. Yeah. It's dehydrating, mm-hmm. so you don't really want to do that either. So yeah. what I often drink in the spring-summer months is rosé okay. or like a Sauvignon Blanc okay. or like a nice crisp dry white. Okay. I prefer white wines anyway. But rosé is always good for the summer. Have you heard, have you had um, froze? I've had it at that restaurant. Which one? But but in Maryland, yeah, they do yeah. The slush. yeah, it's good. I like it because mm-hmm. it's it's perfect for the summertime. Back in the day, me and my girlfriend used to make our own version of froze, uh, but it wasn't called that. We would just go down to the Rita's Water Ice, <laughs> get a mango water ice, pour some rum in it, and then walk the streets yeah. sipping and eating on the water ice. And that was uh, a froze of sorts. <laughs> Not quite. Hey, it was tasty, though. Yeah, yeah. It's a little ghetto. <laughs> it is ghetto, but what, it, what, what would Justin be without being a tinge ghetto just and bougie? Bit. Just at the same time. Right. <laughs> All right, child, let's hop into these categories. Category is Game of White Patriarchy. Ooh. Last night was the series finale of a show that I loved for a really long time, okay. Game of Thrones. It was the eighth season. Um, they were wrapping it up. And it's going to be hard to talk about because you don't really you don't watch it. I don't. So, but I know enough about it. You know it. enough about it. Um, so the past, so it's based on these books, right, mm-hmm. by George R. R. Martin, and the first one was pu- was published, I believe, in like ninety six or ninety seven. So they've been out for a while. Okay. And he's been like um, consistently putting them out until about two thousand. I think eleven mm-hmm. was the last one, and he still has like two more left to go. So. The show, they were outpacing like the books. Like everyone was waiting for the author to at least publish like the next book so we can see what happens. Okay. But, you know, the show comes on every year, so they ran through those se- those books like in four seasons. Okay. And so like season five was like, oh, okay. Then season six, they kinda didn't know what to do. 
But they had me, previously, uh huh. So at the end of season four, did it like nicely wrap up, or it was like still a to be continued situation? It was definitely a to be continued. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because um, around that time, they met with the writer. The directors of the show met with the writer, mm-hmm. and he kind of gave them like a loose outline without giving them like all the details of, right. of the story. And you know, he kind of told them like where it was gonna go how they were going to get to the place. And he told them, like, the ending. Okay. And they were like, okay, well, it's up to you to figure out, you know, how the show is going to address all this stuff. And, like, you know, when things translate from the book to the screen, a lot of stuff changes. They left a lot of stuff out of the books. Right. Um, but once they, the show outpaced the books, the quality of the story started to decline. Mm. And it was been the most apparent in season seven last season and then this current season season eight and like you can just tell like they were relying so heavily on on that printed material because they knew you know it's just spelled it out for them right there and season seven was not the best and people were like oh it's okay you know because we know they're taking two years off for before season eight comes out so it's okay if season seven is not that good right. because we know season eight is just going to kill it. Child. And they had like two years to get it right. Like they took, they said they were going to take their time to like really dive into the stories. They extended the uh, run times of the show and everyone thought that it was going to be like, you know, enough to tell the story in a decent way, wrap up all the storylines and get things together. Now they messed up because they did shorten season seven and season eight. Usually it's 10 episodes a season. Okay. And the showrunner said, no, we're going to do seven episodes for season seven, six episodes for season eight. And everybody's like, ooh, that's not enough right. time to tell this story. Especially because I know that show has like 50, 11 characters. Yeah. You know, so it's like, and they all have yeah. their own arcs in yeah. detailed stories. Very with detailed. Nuance. Yeah. So yeah. how do you put this in like a pretty little mm-hmm. bow? And yeah, and it just... So, you know, they were running out of time. They didn't have, you know, these 10 episodes to get things done. So season seven, they started, like, really, like, fast-forwarding through a lot of stuff. Okay. And it just got to a point where it just didn't make any, like, logical sense. Mm-hmm. You know, in the first three, four seasons, it would take someone an entire season to get from one city to the next. And then <laughs> in season seven, it started where it's, like, literally they leave on their journey and they get there the next day. And it's like, how did you get from like the right. North Coast all the way down to the bottom? It's just like, it just stopped making sense. And so, so how would you rate the series finale on a scale of one to 10? A negative 1,000. Oh gosh, it was dramatic. horrible. No, it was horrible. There was nothing redeemable about the show, the final episode. <sighs> okay, there was nothing redeemable about it. No, I take that back. Some of the I can see like some of the endings made sense, but the way they got there did not. Okay. Like they killed my girl, and I'm in mourning about that. Who's your girl? My girl, Queen Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen. A mess. And she has a million other titles I'm not gonna get into. Mm-hmm. But you know they had spent seven and a half seasons like okay. building her up as you know. She's the rightful queen. She comes from a family who, you know, they had some mental instability, but, you know, she kind of overcame that. And she was really this benevolent person. And, you know, she had the people's best interests at heart. Like, she freed the slaves. Okay, Harriet. (laughs) And, you know, she was just, like, altruistic person. Yeah, you know, she made some questionable decisions, throughout there but you know she did it for the best interest of the people okay like they just made her out to look like she was crazy mm-hmm. and they kind of reduced well, was she taking her meds <sighs> they didn't have them back then <laughs> and westeros don't have any therapists but, how, but isn't this like but an they, alternative like reality how do you know it's back then how do you know like this doesn't take place in the future no it's definitely in the past but it's like a fake world. Well, it's like a medieval world they don't have any technology okay. but anyway so they just basically um overplayed her being crazy without any explanation. Like, you just spent seven and a half years telling us how great and wonderful and altruistic she is. They speed up this storyline. She, you know, goes mad and burns down a city in, like, the last 
30 minutes of episode five. Mm-hmm. And then in the first like 15 minutes of of episode six, the finale, it's like, okay, well, we got to kill her now and we got to get rid of her now and do it now. And it has to be done right now. But there was no like development of that story. Right. It should have been, it was anticlimactic. Yeah. Right. And it was just like, okay, well, wait, hold up. Okay. All of a sudden now she's crazy. Like we've spent mm-hmm. seven and a half years learning how great she is. And now she got to die. Like oh. she made one mistake and now she has to die. That's and, how it be sometimes though. But the story gave every other male character mm-hmm. a redemption arc. They made a mistake and like, you know, season one or whatever, season two. And we spent the entire rest of the series seeing their growth and seeing their redemption and, you know, spending so much time on them being seen as a good person in the right, end. Right. But here comes this woman and now the now she now she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Now the bitch gotta die. Now yeah. we can't deal with her. Yeah. And Even like I didn't watch the show, but I uh-huh. feel like one of my favorite characters from the little that I knew from memes mm-hmm. was Cersei because she right. just seemed like a bad bitch. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that she had that horrible Rosemary's baby's uh cut that yeah. Um that Tyra was trying to replicate, <laughs> but she just needed to have Cersei wear it. Yeah. But I just felt like she was that bitch and that she just got crumbled by some rocks, like you said. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, you know, the fandom mm-hmm. was hoping for a feminist story. Or maybe yeah. they were hoping that a woman would take the iron throne. Yeah, and that's like the female characters in the show have been so strong mm-hmm. throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. And the men were kinda like, you know, the weaker ones or their story was not as nuanced. It wasn't as complex. But isn't that life, though? And I mean, not well, no shade, but, mm-hmm. like, women oftentimes do a lot of the work mm-hmm. and a lot of the grunt work and mm-hmm. a lot of the things that no one wants to do. The thankless jobs have to make hard, hard decisions mm-hmm. and for their families, for themselves. And at the end of the day, who gets to come claim the, glo- the glory? Right. And that's essentially what happened. I mean, like, that's all real. These, well, all these men got together, decided that um, Daenerys was crazy, and she got to die today. Like wow. right now, and you know you had Tyrion, who's the little person mm-hmm. uh, character, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. He was her advisor, like her, um, say vice president or whatever. He was her Ivanka. Pretty much. Okay. You know, he like was <laughs> you know the one kind of making like the tough decisions, advising her, her on like the way where to go and what decisions to make, but. He revealed, like in the past, in the last episode, that clearly all his motivations were to save his sister and his brother, which was Cersei and uh, Jaime. Mm-hmm. And like, then he, you know, committed treason. He was had this plot to, you know, just take her down. And she finds out about it. Like she gave him chances, and then she's like, okay, if you wrong me again, then you know we're gonna have to deal with you. Right. So he commits treason. She catches him or finds out about it. Mm-hmm. She, you know, has him arrested. Says, "Okay, I mean, you, you, you got to die. You got to be executed." Mm-hmm. He's on death row, but he gets to dictate all the terms of, you know, what's going to happen to him. Right. And it's just like that doesn't make sense. Okay, so I watch Gay of Thrones with Jonathan Van Ness, and that's the only like reason that. I know what yeah. I know because he makes it funny and he, he like, totally not. just like rips the whole show apart. I don't like it because he had Gabrielle Union on there. Ooh, stop. But anyway, um, but it was just like, he was, so this Tyrion character was involved in treason, conspiracy, murder, and gets off scot-free. Mm-hmm. Jon Snow, who they had been building up forever to be this hero and be this, you know, person who's going to save everybody, he kills Daenerys and gets off scot-free. Wow. So then... There's no repercussions for them uh-huh. at all. And essentially, they kind of, you know, built it up for nothing. And I think that's where everyone is confused about. Because, like, you built all this up for nothing. Right. Like, this all happened for nothing. You know, they have these um, minority characters who are who were, you know, Daenerys's army, basically. Uh-huh. And essentially, they, they try to get rid of them. They're like... Uh, we'll give you some land down in the south if you just go away. Oh shit! Well, we still waiting on our land over here. In the real world. Okay. <laughs> like they tried to give them a, like forty acres and a mule. I know. And it was just like, what well, kind of forty acres and a dragon? <laughs> There's only one dragon left. Oh damn. Yeah. 
And then they... The dragon ain't gonna lay some more eggs or nothing? No. Damn. No. It was just, like, too much of, like, let's hurry up and get it done. Mm-hmm. And so, essentially, like, at the end, John gets away. Tyrion gets away, basically. They make um, Bran, the hint, who's the one in the wheelchair, they make him the new king. Oh, gosh. Isn't he, like... Which, yeah. Is he blind, too? He's not blind, but he's... See time travel or something. Yeah, and it's just like that didn't make any sense. And what do you mean they don't got technology? He's in a wheelchair. <laughs> well, he used to have someone carrying on his back. So. Oh, really? Yeah, but yeah, well, it's is just, the Castle ADA compliant? It's not. Do they have ramps? They don't have no ramps. They don't have no guardrails, like nothing. No pulley, no nothing. nothing. God damn. Yeah. So someone has to like literally carry him up the steps. But um, yeah, it's just like, and they call him like the broken one, and it's just like. You're ableist, you're misogynist, <sighs> you are just Love not telling the story. Yeah, racist, <laughs> you're not telling the story like the way it should have been told. And so HBO actually offered the showrunners like a blank check. Really? You take however much money you need to do the story like the right way and take, you know, ten episodes, thirteen, however many you need to tell the story and end it like in the way that it should be ended. And they said, no, we can do it in 13. Wow. Over like two seasons, seven, eight. Right. And we're going to take <clears throat> two years off in between. And so it's just like, you could tell they checked out mm-hmm. at some point because they but kept... But that's a disservice to the actors, to the cast yeah, and crew, yeah. to, to the, the fans, fans. Yeah. And, to the, and to the show itself. Yeah. And they, they just got real sloppy. Like, you can tell they checked out. And it's like... Oh, yeah. I saw something that, like, I guess Jamie Lannister allegedly didn't have any hands. but like, He didn't have a right hand, yeah. But then when he was hugging his uh-huh. sister, he had a hand. He had a hand. There's like, they just and like, then <laughs> there was, like, a Starbucks cup. It was a Starbucks cup <laughs> in, in a one scene? of the Yeah, in one of the scenes. Oh, my God, you're lying. No. And then in the last episode, the finale, mm-hmm. there was, like, those plastic water bottles like sitting down on the floor. Wow. What about the continuity person? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then so you can just tell they checked out. And it's like what I equate it to is when you put in your two weeks notice mm-hmm. and you're just done at that point. Right. And no matter what they can say <laughs> to you, you know you're not going to put in any effort. Wow. And so right. it's like and then like on your last day is when you go in and you delete all <laughs> of the files on the shared drive so they'll be fucked up. Oh my I gosh. feel like that's what they did. They should have just hired new writers. When, when yeah. they start talking that BS, they yeah. should have just like got back, yeah. got a whole new group of writers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's disappointing because like it ended like that. Like This was one of the greatest shows on television. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This was one of the greatest shows on television and it went out like that. Oh well. Yeah. All right. See, that's why I don't be watching these shows like that, because I don't got to be dealing with the letdown. I'd be upset after you, after you invested 10 years of your life. Yeah, yeah, but... RuPaul's Drag Race has never upset me. Well, except for when Shangela did not win. Okay. And she was the Daenerys Targaryen of, <laughs> of, rap, of Drag Race, okay? Yes, both times. Wasn't she on All-Stars? Too? She was on All-Stars, and she should have won. And mm-hmm. they basically did to her what they did to Daenerys on the real show. Mm-hmm. Goddamn, goddamn. Yeah, can't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Drag Race has a tradition of being misogynist and transphobic and racist mm-hmm. and ableist. Well, there you and go. And sizist. Is that a thing? Yeah. Sizist? Is that the proper word? I think it is. Okay. I mean, you know, no, you know what I mean. Yeah. A big girl has yet to win. Mm-hmm. And Silky's not going to do it this year. <laughs> All right, child, let's hop into this next category. This past uh, Monday, right? Sunday. I'm sorry. Ooh, this past Sunday yeah. was the one-year anniversary of his and her royal highness, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, yes. Harry and Meghan, and they just had a whirlwind year, and it was nice yeah. to just like you know think about how far she's come in a year in terms mm-hmm. of all her patronages. Mm-hmm. Those are um, charitable organizations, organizations yeah. or uh, initiatives mm-hmm. that she leads and supports. I believe that she does something with the Commonwealth Universities, mm-hmm. um, the Hub Kitchen, mm-hmm. which was... Well, that's not a patronage. That's not a patronage, mm-hmm. but she did do that book yeah. that came from it, like, you know, Together at Our Table or something, yeah, yeah, to help fund that uh, the Grenfell Tower. Mm-hmm. That burned. She also does something with animals, I think. With like, yeah. it's like animal rescue. Animal rescue. Yeah. She does something with women who need to get back to work, mm-hmm. who need like suits and work attire. Mm-hmm. And she also does the theater, the National Theater, yeah. which makes sense because she's a formal well, 
actor. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, she's been here, there, everywhere with all her engagements yeah. and appearances, looking fierce, looking lovely, getting pregnant and securing the bag and title. <laughs> Uh, and you know, and having her baby, yeah. Archie. So it's just been a lovely year. Yeah, it's been a busy year. A busy year, girl. <laughs> I did watch the wedding. I watched it again. Yeah, on YouTube. Too. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, it was just like amazing to watch it mm-hmm. back like a year later. I and know. Then just think like all the change that has gone on in and, her life since right. then. Yeah. But it's funny because what was the pastor who um, gave the sermon? Uh, I cannot Michael Sumlai. Yeah, he was the head of the Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. A black man. Mm-hmm. His speech was so good even a year later and mm-hmm. still so relevant yeah yeah you know just mm-hmm. to hear a preacher talk about science and technology mm-hmm. and medicine and race and slavery mm-hmm. and love and fire and, and just take quotes it was amazing yeah. that was like my favorite part of the wedding it was followed by the king the kingdom choir oh yes they were so good they were amazing yeah then followed by um when they get in the carriage to leave mm-hmm. and they're singing "Amen," yeah, yeah. that was a, that's like a favorite part. Uh-huh. Just the whole wedding the whole thing. was amazing. Yeah, and then watching Doria. Oh, she was so tearful. Happy. Yeah, she was. Yeah, but she, she was. A year later, uh-huh. you know, when it happened a year ago, you're just all in the moment. Mm-hmm. But watching it now, a year later, I saw a lot of skepticism in her eyes. Really? Not skepticism, in what but way? just she was teary. I think she was happy for her daughter, but I just think that she was just like worried. She had like a, uh, she had the look on her face of like a mother's worry, and she knew that this about, would make her daughter happy, uh-huh. and that she was there to support her daughter and will be for there there for her no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't help but feeling, looking at her face, that she was you know there alone, on this international for- stage or forum, mm-hmm. and that you know she wasn't accustomed to all of the uh, paparazzi and all the right, fanfare. Right. I think that her daughter was mm-hmm. even prior to meeting Harry because of her career was, as an yeah. actress. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think that once Doria kind of got thrust into it, mm-hmm. it kind of startled her. And I think she looked happy, well, but it just, to me, there's some a mother's worry on her face. And I think she was just worried about the world well, I think being unfair to her daughter. That could be one thing. I think probably the bigger thing was that, you know, she, in essence, was losing her daughter in that right. moment. Because of the role that Megan was going to take on she would be moving to the UK full time. Mm-hmm. You know, Megan is the only child. Right. And that's an 11 hour flight from, <laughs> from LA. Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's across what, from LA, like nine time zones, I think. Yeah. Or eight, Literally depends only halfway on, yeah. around the world. Yeah. So, it de- so I think that a lot of that was, you know, she was happy, but then she realized that her life is going to change immensely right, also right. because, yeah, now she is thrust in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Now there are people, you know, hounding her. Well, they've been doing that since the engagement. Right. But um, they're, like, outside of her house and, you know, the paparazzi are following her. And she probably was worried, like, what is my daughter getting into? Like, mm-hmm. but in... That's the magnitude of the moment also. Right, Because right. the British royal family is an institution. Right. That has been around for centuries. But the history now. Yeah. I'm sure it was just a, a, a cacophony of emotions that she was uh-huh. feeling. Not a cacophony. A cornucopia. Yeah, yeah, Cacophony yeah. means sound. Sorry. Yeah. It was a cornucopia <laughs> of emotions that she mm-hmm. was feeling in that moment. Yeah. And um, I just watched it differently. Okay. Looking a year back. Mm-hmm. But I, I can say that, you know, not that, you know, they were a single mom and daughter, yeah. very close. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the only she was the only person from Megan's family that attended the yeah. wedding. So that also, well. you know, indicates the closeness. Mm-hmm. But it's just like she, I'm sure she did feel like she was losing her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, you know, yeah, her daughter was gaining a, a title mm-hmm. in access mm-hmm. and this world. But what was she gaining from it? Like through her daughter. You know what I'm saying? It's, I think it, it could have been essentially more loss. But also, mm-hmm. it's like, no, see, no, she, I know Dory has her own life. She's teaching yoga mm-hmm. and stuff in L.A. But mm-hmm. you can't teach yoga over in London. <laughs> but, like, why should she have to uproot her life for a decision right. her daughter made? Right, right. But I think as a grandma, yeah, I would be more inclined mm-hmm. to maybe want to live there part-time. Or at least pull with, like, Michelle Robinson, uh, that's our former first lady, mm-hmm. what her family first did. granny. You know, be the first, like, granny, kind yeah, of, sort of. yeah. Yeah, because like in the beginning, they said first granny was only going to stay for like a couple months. And she stayed, and she stayed for eight, eight years, years okay. in the White House. She's like, nah, I'm good. I like this treatment. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I feel like Doria may 
because I heard that she um, quit her job. Okay. The social work job. So that will free up a lot of time. So I do think she will spend a lot more time in the UK. Mm -hmm. I don't see her moving there permanently. So I do feel like she will maintain, you know, two residences. Right. Uh, I just, I think that she does make a lot of private trips there that we don't know about, like under the radar trips. And, you know, I just see her splitting her time. That's right. Yeah. But especially now that Archie's here, I think that, you know, I've seen the way that my mother's kind of been melted as a grandmother. Mm -hmm. And the grandparent's always a fun one. Yeah. The grandparent's the one that spoils you, gives Mm -hmm. you what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because my mom spoils her grandbabies. Yeah. Well, they don't have any of the responsibility. Right. And so, with, like you said, like with my mom, I feel like she was, you know, she was the disciplinarian and she was like, you know, raising us. Whereas grandparents get to enjoy you. Right. Like they don't have the responsibility of all of that. So it's like, okay. And there's no pressure. Fun. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, I've raised my kids. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I can just, <laughs> you know, do the yeah, fun stuff. Yeah. So what do you think of her dress looking a year later? A year later, I still think it looks classic and timeless. Mm-hmm. I will be honest is that when I saw her dress a year ago, mm-hmm. I hated it. You did? I did. I did not. I loved it. I hated it on first glance. When she okay. got out of the car uh-huh. and her designer was fidgeting with the veil, the veil and the little boys were yeah, trying to get train, situated. Yeah. And I was just like, mm-mm, girl, that's not what I expected because right. there was no okay. lace. There was no embellishment. It was super, super simple. Okay, I'll But tell now, you a year later, uh-huh. I think that the simplicity is amazing. It looks timeless. Honestly, like, and I think it'll look timeless another eight years from now. When I go back and look, and this is not to compare, and I know mm-hmm. we shouldn't, and I hate no. that they do this, but when I go back and look at Kate's dress yeah, now, I'm yeah. like, mm, yeah. oh no. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at Diana's dress, obviously, mm-hmm. that was the, the 80s, 80s, and it yeah. was so ostentatious. It's like, yeah. oh girl. But I think that, you know, Megan's dress will be uh-huh. classic and timeless. Timeless, yeah. I feel like, and like we say, she puts levels into her thought processes. Mm-hmm. So the dress had no adornment. Right. It had no embellishment. It had nothing. It was just simple, white, no beading, no lace, nothing else. The uh, neckline was a bateau. Is that how you pronounce mm-hmm. it? The bateau, or some people just say a boat, boat neck. neckline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could have been fitted a little bit better. That was my only criticism. The simplicity of the dress was, I think, she knew the gravity of that moment. Mm-hmm. Any kind of embellishment or anything would have distracted from her. Yeah. And also the scrutiny of her, potentially. That too. But I feel like the gravity of the moment was she's the first confirmed multiracial person marrying into the British royal family. Right. The neckline was up here. You know, Mm -hmm. everything framed her face. It was by her face. And she was like, you're going to see me. Yeah, And you did. You're not going to see these rhinestones encrusted on on this dress you're not going to see this lace encrusted on this dress you're not going to have sparkle or beading or anything on this dress Mm -hmm. it's going to frame me in a way that you're going to see me look at this mug (laughs) yes Yes. she was walking face down the aisle down the aisle yes and i will say that um you know i i think that it's classic and it Mm -hmm. did frame her face it Mm -hmm. was just for it wasn't about the dress it was about her as a woman yeah uh, but I will say that I wish that her makeup, it wasn't over-the-top glam, no. but, I mean, her, like, foundation was, like, minimal coverage. Yeah. It was very little makeup, mm-hmm. so that'll go towards a timeless look. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a lot of blush or no, bronzer or contouring. Yeah. It looked like she basically put on a little bit of eyeliner, mascara, mm-hmm. and some lip gloss. A little lip, yeah. That was really it. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that still bothered me a year later was some flyaways. <laughs> I just wish somebody would have went in there with some brown gel on a toothbrush yeah. and just scooped the hair on the left-hand side. It kept yeah, falling it her kept face. falling out. Yeah, yeah. That was my only criticism. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the simplicity of the dress, all the interest was in the veil. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's just levels to it. Yeah. She looked amazing. All right. Well, congratulations on your one-year anniversary, guys. Moving on from British royalty to American royalty, have you heard about Kim and Kanye? They announced the birth of their fourth child, their second son. His name is... Psalm West. Child. What are your thoughts on this name? Well... It's not my kid, <laughs> so right. I'm going to leave it there. Uh-huh. So I, 
you know, we weren't really feeling Archie. I just don't get song. Like, I know you're doing the Sunday service right now. Right. And I know you say you wanted to start a church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Psalm? Psalm. It's just hard to pronounce. Yeah. You know, um, for, it looks like they went biblical slash religious with the boys' names. With the boys' names. And then, like, destinations and or directions. Direction. With the girls' names. Yeah. And it's so, just like, Psalm? Yeah. And so you have, what, Saint and Psalm. Saint, Psalm, North and Chicago. Chicago. I think they messed up. The theme. If your last name is West. Right. And you're going to name your first kid North. Right. Then you just have to do all directions at that point. Where was Easton? Yeah. You I, have to it do... should be East, not East-West, because that's just kind of crazy. But Easton would have been yeah. super cute. Yeah. You know. They could have did North, South, Easton, and Mid. Mid, yeah. <laughs> or not even, they could have just kept it directional, like Compass. No. Oh, come on. No, That's if you're going to do it like that, then you need to That's so like, you need though. to commit. Now, you can't name your first kid North. Well, then the second kid should have been Star. <laughs> Star West? Yeah. No. It should have been South. Southwest is a cheap-ass airline. Okay, yeah. you think they was fitting to do that? I mean, <laughs> you can't be, like, all over the place. Because now, like, what is their theme? Direction. And then Biblical. And then a city, and then back to biblical. Right. But that is, there, make sense. is there any thought behind why they gave the boys biblical names and not the girls or the boys? Because the boys' names seem to have more all. gravitas or more significance. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like to name your child North, you know, which really, you know, to them it has personal meaning, but to people it has no significance. Mm-hmm. You know, in Chicago, okay, that has significance to him. <laughs> As that is his place of birth and where he was yeah. raised. But what does that really mean? Whereas, like, to call your child saint, that's, that is a big declaration. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a huge, that's to say your child is saint-like, mm-hmm. like angelic, mm-hmm. next to God, a, a, a God amongst people. Uh, yeah. You know? And then to call your child psalm, which is like, is that a book in the Bible or is that a hymn? It's um, a book in the Bible. I thought, okay, I don't know why I thought psalms are songs. They are songs, but it are is those a hymns? Book. What's the difference between a hymn and a psalm? So, if the psalm is a book in the Bible, it does have songs, mm-hmm. but a hymn is more like a hymn. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you do on Psalm Sunday? That's Palm Sunday. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to church, apparently. Clearly. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, mm, I mean, I can't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the names, no. but, you know, those children will never have to put their name on a job application. <laughs> uh, so, they're good. They are good. I mean, they might be applying to college. Again, their parents won't pay to get them where they need to go, <laughs> and they're good. Kim said she would never do that because that would set them up for failure and they would not be able to thrive in that environment. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of college, that takes us to our next category. Category is the SAT. Okay. Have you heard about the new score that they're putting on the SAT? Yeah, I did hear about this actually in passing. I was watching the news and they Mm -hmm. were like, oh, you know, there's a new test on the SAT. Now, since I've taken the SAT... mm It has changed. When I took it, it was based out of 1600. Uh And then when I, I was the last person to take it that way. Okay. In the following class, they changed it. They changed it. it, Not that they, it didn't count towards their score, but they kind of did like the pilot. Okay. Like they gave them Mm -hmm. the test and that they gave them two scores Mm -hmm. essentially, but Mm -hmm. they had a writing segment. Mm -hmm. So now the test was out of 2400, which I would have appreciated. I was always good at the English writing. Mm -hmm. Math was always my problem. So I'm like, okay, well, two thirds Mm -hmm. instead of 50-50, that would have worked in my favor. But, you know, I guess that didn't work out. Then they went back to 1600. So I'm listening to the news. They're like, oh, there's this new part of the test. I'm like, what the hell are they doing now? (laughs) You know? And they're like, but it's not a part that you can necessarily study for. And I'm right. like, then, then my ears type, like, you know, piped mm-hmm. up. I'm like, what mm-hmm. do you mean? And they were like, oh, well, you know, it's basically taking into account diversity, your socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. and then you get additional points on your exam. Child, well, I knew Trump's America was just going to be about as pissed <laughs> when they heard about this. Well, it's not necessarily extra points on the exam. So it's called an adversity score. And so they give you a numerical score. I think it's from zero to 50 or one to 50 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And basically, they take into account your social socioeconomic status. They take into account your neighborhood and 
the uh, different um, family income. Yeah, and it's not a score that's going to show up on your test. It will just be available for like admissions counselors at you know these universities to right. see that. Oh, this person made a twelve hundred on the SAT, and this other person also made a twelve hundred on the SAT, but they're from two different environments. Like right. one kid, you know, is from the inner city, and they have a single mom, and they don't mm-hmm. have the access to certain educational programs right. and and facilities. But this other person lives in you know a very affluent community and essentially is supposed to kind of persuade the universities to take the person who thrived in a you know not the best environment Mm -hmm. see i don't look at it like that i Mm -hmm. look at it it's kind of okay as as giving a fuller picture to the applicant or Mm -hmm. to the test taker Mm -hmm. and it's kind of you know because what tests do, essentially, is they whittle it down to a score. And yeah. then we're supposed to take that score on face value yeah. to, to make a determination on this candidate's aptitude to mm-hmm. uh, succeed or thrive at this institution, mm-hmm. right? But I think that that's not, that doesn't give a candidate a full picture. And I think that what this new score is doing is attempting to, again, just kind of give more context to the person that's taking the exam. Exactly. That they're merely more than a number. Mm -hmm. I really support an initiative like this. I don't. I know that it's going to get a lot of pushback, Uh but it does make sense. I'm sorry, for Tahim to get a 1,200, and he's from North Philly, Mm -hmm. he works a full-time job, Mm -hmm. he goes to school full-time, he Mm -hmm. has a single mom, he has younger siblings that he's taking care of. Right. It was a lot harder for him to study to get that 1,200 than, say... Molly, who lives on the main line, and her parents gave her classes, she got her own tutor, you know what I'm saying? So it, it shows the mm-hmm. aptitude of, okay, you know, who put in the work to get to this point? Now, again, that child but, could just be more brilliantly gifted and just uh-huh. have lesser circumstances, and maybe Molly's just a really poor test taker and she gets nervous. There's a lot of different factors that go into this, but mm-hmm. I, th- I think, you know, so long as it doesn't affect the end score and it's just an additional score that institutions can opt to view or not view. Mm -hmm. Because back in the day, I basically feel like what they're doing now is is that you put all that stuff Mm -hmm. in your uh, application essay. Right. I don't know if kids still have to write an essay. They probably just like upload their Instagram profile. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) But I felt like, you know, the one place to seem like a human, to seem Mm -hmm. not like only a GPA or a class rank Mm -hmm. or a SAT score Mm -hmm. was, okay, now be human in your admissions essay. And I always were bomb admissions essays because I was going to let you know about this <laughs> struggle life that I had lead right. to, and what it took me to get to here. To get there. I, I see that. And I, I do think that is valid. I really do. Because, you know, people do have extenuating circumstances that a number on a page does not tell you. Mm-hmm. However, I think that it can also set the community back because I wouldn't necessarily, well, some people wouldn't necessarily try to make it out the hood if they know if we can stay in the hood and my kid can Seriously? get like a... No one's willing to stay in the hood well, just so they can get a better SAT score because no, the trappings I, of the hood are way more dangerous and, and, and imminent. Right, right. They are. But I spoke to several of my educator friends and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. This new SAT score. And they were like, mm, I don't know because these days these it's a new kind of parent and it's a new kind of student out here. It is. Because I feel like these kids these days are not being told they have to work twice as hard. Exactly. Like we were. Mm-hmm. And if you give them another reason, we ain't got to do this. We can be mediocre and they're going to give us more points because of where we live. Then... And then how do you verify those points? Right. Those, those things. This, mm-hmm. To me, it's, it, is, it is pretty muddled. Yeah. I don't know too much about it, but in mm-hmm. theory, it does sound like a nice In theory. Idea. But in practice, I don't think it's going to have the, the outcomes are not going to be what they expected. Right. I think that if you say we're giving these certain people points just because of where they live and what might be going on in their community, then the people over here who are not getting these points are going to be pissed mm-hmm. the hell off. Right. And then the people who are getting the points are going to be like, oh, we ain't got to do shit no more. Right. And it's going to have a detrimental effect to that community who's getting I the see. points. But th- I, th- I think it's just an attempt to try to equal the playing field over years mm-hmm. of systemic injustice, you know, through the education but, system, because in, in, lots, in lots of different ways. Right. And, and again, anything that you do that's responsive, mm-hmm. that's like retroactive, instead of like, you know, preemptive, 
is or, or is not as progressive or it's not going to be as, well, as, as long-standing, right? Mm-hmm. My thing is, is, you know, instead of giving these kids extra points, how about you give them good books, adequate teachers, That's, good, good yeah. facilities to learn in yeah. so that they can equal the playing ground that they're actually mm-hmm. playing on instead of just doling them out points. So yeah. I see your point, mm-hmm. <laughs> but... It's just an attempt to try to level the playing field. I don't think that parents or institutions are going to go for this. I think that on the back end, uh-huh. these colleges and universities are going to find a way to kind of like not consider it, not take it, you know, not evaluate it, or to offset it. Because yeah. that's every time that there's progress in our country, mm-hmm. the opposite side comes with a pushback right. to 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 quell mm-hmm. or silence or crush that pro- that progress. Mm-hmm. So I'm fully anticipating that this initiative will not mm-hmm. last. Um, but, you know, if it does, and if we on a new foot, can we get um, extra points on, like, interest rates? Can we get, like, extra <laughs> points and extra dollars in paychecks? No, can we either. get, you know, because my thing is then make it across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they won't. Just generalizing adversity is not the right way to increase diversity. The inner city, incomes are low. Poverty is high. Mm-hmm. It could be the same in Alabama. Yeah, so rural areas have happen? high poverty. Exactly. Right? But at least in the city, you have access to like art and certain city programs mm-hmm. and things like that. The intended purposes could be to increase diversity. But as we learn with affirmative action, it's not necessarily going to happen. Right. Because affirmative action mainly benefits white women. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it could be the same with this. All right, child, let's get into this next segment of the show. I said what I said. This week we seem to have a theme with I said what I said. Yeah. It has to do with transportation. <laughs> Planes, trains, and automobiles. automobiles. Well, I'll start off. As you all know, this past weekend, uh, we flew to Atlanta and back. And my said what I said has to deal with just airline travel. Wow. Now, you know, I don't travel for work. I'm not a, I mean, I'm a good traveler. Mm-hmm. As soon as I get in the plane, I'm asleep. It's something about the humming of the engine when we're taxiing mm, too loud. that makes me fall asleep like a baby. Really? I'm asleep for takeoff. I'm asleep mm-hmm. for landing. Okay. Like, I'm asleep. You took a zanny? You know I didn't got to be there. <laughs> I can just sleep. But, you know... It's not the airplane itself that's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's the airport, rather. And I feel like oh, that people are just always okay. in a frenzy and upset. Uh-huh. And I know that, you know, people got places to be, uh-huh. places to go, yeah. people to see. Yeah. But, you know, don't get upset by a delayed flight. I'm not yeah, upset by delayed flights. You can't change it. Yeah. You can't get over it. Yeah. You can't change the weather. The Coast Guard's not going to come and get you. You know, um, People get upset about their luggage that can't, that one, should not be in the overhead compartment, mm-hmm. but that they know damn well they should have checked, but they want to be cheap and say they $50. Yeah. And they get upset that, like, it's getting thrown onto the plane. Mm-hmm. Well, man, you knew that. You could have saved yourself the hassle and the embarrassment. <laughs> you know, also people, when you are, you know, priority boarding, mm-hmm. you know, you want to take advantage of the priority. Yeah. I get called first. I'm going to go get my seat. So I can make sure I can stick my stuff on the overhead compartment. But again, I don't come with big, cumbersome bags. I come with a little book bag and Mm -hmm. a small little Mm carry-on. But it's like when they call, you know, group one, why should group one have to fight through Through group five, five, through all these people? I feel like there's just like this mob mentality Mm -hmm. when traveling. And I know it's unpopular because I know people, everyone wants to get where they want to get. But guess what, baby? The plane ain't going to (laughs) take off. You know, we all get in there at the same time. We all get there at the time. same time. Why are you rushing and fighting yeah. to get on a plane and sit on it on the tarmac yeah. for yeah. forty-five minutes before okay. we even take off? Mm-hmm. It annoys me. It's like when people get to the airport, they lose their freaking minds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we were even boarding to come back to Atlanta, and this one girl was in tears and arguing and fighting with the um, About what? with the you know the airline representative mm-hmm. who was checking the boarding passes, mm-hmm. and she was like, "All these people are getting on the plane before me." I guess he had an earlier flight that was like canceled. Oh, well, that's... Because there was like tornadoes or some, okay. something somewhere, mm-hmm. and she wanted to get a connecting flight through Philadelphia. She's um... like, I need to get home tonight. And the woman's like, man, I did all I could do for you. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, how come all these people are boarding? This is the second flight that people have boarded. I'm, well, that's because you're flying standby, you sweetie. you stand honey. What, do you expect all these people to give up their seats so that you <laughs> can get to where you need to go? Yeah. No. It is uh, frustrating. Best. I just hate being in the airport because... You know, even simple things like, you know, we're TSA pre-check. We try and go through and get, you know, just get our baggage. Mm -hmm. How come you're, sir, this is the pre-check line. Why are you taking your shoes off? Why are you going through your bag? Why are you doing all these things? 
you know. And y'all went to Atlanta? <laughs> oh, child. That was, oh, also, that was the blackest plane I ever did see. I thought it was soul, soul plane on that bitch. Okay. My God. But it was just like, you know, then this other girl, uh-huh. I was just, I get really, I'm easily annoyed sometimes. Yeah, me too. I'm very easily annoyed mm-hmm. and I pop off. Mm-hmm. And even like we're in the, the, the pre-check line and this girl's having this bullshit ass conversation with her colleague. Mm-hmm. She's flying from Atlanta to Charlotte. Bitch, why, why didn't you drive? <laughs> Why didn't you drive and save me the annoyance of having to stand next to you in the TSA pre-check? You go right up I-85, I-20. Get there what? Three, four hours? About three hours. Okay, but you doing all this. She's like, you know, she's trying to get ahead in line. She's having this. She's like, girl, save me some food. Bring it to work tomorrow. She's just having this asinine conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'm just annoyed. And I was like, if this bitch don't shut the fuck up. (laughs) And I said it out loud. Yeah. But I ain't trying to start no fights in the airport. But it's just. <laughs> it's just annoying. Mm-hmm. I get, I get very annoyed when I'm in the airport because mm-hmm. people get on my nerves. Yeah, but I feel like I, travel is very stressful for some. It's very well, tense. They want to get their flight. They want to get their seat. They want to be settled. A lot of people have a lot of anxiety around air travel, and I understand. But take a fucking chill pill. Take a Xanax. Yeah. Relax because people. Th- th- I don't know if you notice, know but people get this mob mentality. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, yeah. chill. Yeah. But when people get like just dumb and tense with mm-hmm. me, I I then want to like lash out and respond because I don't I don't, I don't do handle that. foolishness well. Well, I don't either, and I don't lash out. I just shut down, and I'm just like mm-hmm. over it. Mm-hmm. And airports and well, airlines are frustrating anyway because they have a lot of stuff going on, and then. The airport is just always a rush of people, and everyone feels like they're the most important. Like they're trying to get to where they want to go, right. but you had a whole plane full of people going to the exact, exact same, same place. place. So you need to call. Like them even like when we landed, uh-huh. like the flight attendant was oh, you like, know what I hate? Uh-huh. she was like, you know, it, it was crazy because like you know, say for example, we were in seat ten, mm-hmm. we had to probably put our bags back on like seat, you know, in the air, above air container mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. seat seventeen yeah, because okay. people had all these bags. I'm like. Okay, I count a personal item, a bag, another bag, and another yeah. bag. How you got these four bags? Yeah. And I blame the, the airline staff for that. Because wow. people won't get away with People are always going to push it. Mm-hmm. But, like, the flight attendant, she, we landed. She said, hey, you guys, you know, we have people who are connecting on the flight to France, Paris, France. Can you please, and they're in the back of the plane, can you please do the courtesy of letting nope. them get off? Mm-hmm. So the people on, like, the back <laughs> third of the plane, you know, the back, the back two, you know, two-thirds of the plane, mm-hmm. I want to say. Let them get up and, like, rush to the front. And then this one guy, he just looked like a Trump supporter, yeah. stood up. He said, well, I got a plane to catch, too. And he stood up and, like, blocked them. He's like, you can't get by. You can't get by. And I was like, seriously, so just, like, let them go so we all can go in peace. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and they're, you know, talking French. They're talking shit on him in French. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here, like, really? But then what you know, you know how, like, you're driving on the highway mm-hmm. and an ambulance or a police officer mm-hmm. is going down the, the lane yeah. and everyone moves yeah, over? Yeah. And then once... They move over for the the, the, the police officer. Mm-hmm. They hop right behind him and then speed behind yeah. him because it's like a free open yeah, lane. Basically, basically, people did that on the airplane. Oh wow! And once the French people got up, mm-hmm. you know they were clearly French because he was white and speaking mm-hmm. French. Mm-hmm. And um, they're walking towards the front of the plane. Mm-hmm. The whole back of the plane gets up mm-hmm. with their ass. So I said very loudly. I said, I guess all these motherfuckers going to Paris, France too. <laughs> And then people looking at me like I'm ignorant. Like, come on, like people yeah. are always trying to take advantage. Yeah, yeah. And my thing is, boo boo, you stressed to do what? Yeah. Like, you still won't walk the way at the baggage claim of Philadelphia, okay. which takes about two hours. Yeah. So, like, everyone's just always stressed. And I don't like, I get anxiety when I do air travel, mm-hmm. not because I'm afraid of planes, mm-hmm. not because I don't like going to new places. Mm-hmm. Because I don't like people. That, I hate and I'm people. trapped in the tube with people. Mm-hmm. I'm trapped in the building with people. We got to go through security measures, be mm-hmm. people, be packed down. You know, I don't mind that. All <laughs> a mess. <laughs> but it's a high anxiety situation. And when people are under pressure, they act dumb. And I yeah. don't do dumb. I don't do well with dumbness. Yes, yeah, And I just say shit. Mm-hmm. And I know my mouth will get me in trouble. But mm-hmm. I need to not get into fights at airports. Yeah, don't do that. You could arrest it. I know. Yeah. But even if they hit me first. Yeah, you're going to jail. It's ridiculous. Because I say shit. Jail cells at, at, I know they do. Mm-hmm. I say, but I do say stuff like out loud. Like yeah. I really said audibly. I was like, if this bitch don't shut the fuck up and get off her phone, <laughs> like, ma'am, you're going through TSA. Why yeah. are you talking? What are you? You're yeah. not talking yeah. to Laquisha about nothing important or significant. Mm-hmm. You want her to save your little piece of the uh, lasagna, you know, <laughs> or whatever she made for the uh, wrap it up in some aluminum foil. <laughs> it was a mess. Yeah. I'm just, I, I say stuff. I, I find that when I get annoyed. Mm-hmm. 
I have a filter. I know people don't believe it. But <laughs> when I get annoyed, shit just bypasses the filter. Yeah. And it gets me in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to say, people in the airport, get your shit together. Take your Xanax. Take your Quaaludes. Relax. <laughs> chill out. Take your CBD. Take your CBD oils. Yeah, before you get to the airport. And leave me the fuck alone. Because a motherfucker like me is liable to pop off. Oh, and I said what I said. My I said what I said this week is pretty much along the same lines. But like I said earlier, I was driving back from Virginia. And I'm not a driver, really. Like, before my um, current job, I worked in the city. I could walk to work. Before that, I worked, like, further downtown. So I would, you know, take the, the metro into town. Take the, I could take public transportation. Mm-hmm. And then walk home, like, on a nice day. So I'm just not used to driving. Mm-hmm. And so now that I work in the suburbs, it's like... You know, I'm on the road every day. Right. And people are so stupid. Mm. I think I said earlier that I hate dealing with the people on the road. Okay. Because, like, on when you're walking, you can just, like, sidestep someone, go around them. You know, you can put your AirPods in, and you don't have to deal with them. Right. You know? But when you're driving, even though you're in the car by yourself, you have to deal with the people. Mm-hmm. Because... It's your safety, your, you know, security. It's, and it's their safety, which a lot of people forget about when driving. Yeah, it's theirs too. But, <laughs> you know, everyone is so caught up in themselves and they need to get to their destination. But everyone else needs to get to theirs too. Right. And so <laughs> this woman, I don't know, I don't know what was going, th- what she was going through. But she, like, parked her car perpendicularly. On the interstate. Ma'am. Wow. Why? Did she take her meds? Probably not. <laughs> stop. Probably not. Like, because when I passed by, she was just sitting there chilling. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. bopping to her tomb. I right. Like, girl, what are you doing? Like, you're holding up everyone because you... And nobody dragged her out her car. No. They should probably should have. They probably should have rammed her and, like, pushed her off the side of the road. That's crazy to me. Yeah. And so, I think... When you're driving, when you're traveling, you got you just have to think about other people. Yeah, it's it's just courteous. You're yeah. not the only one. You're We're not all the in only this together. One. We're all trying to get to where we all need to be, and some kind of mis- you know decision that you make is going to affect a lot of different people behind you. Right. And it's like, you you know, you have those people who, when they're driving, they like weave in and out of the lanes, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm driving along, traffic is is flowing. This woman comes zooming up. I see her in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. And she is so close to me. Like, I, when I see her, like, I can't see her headlights. She's that close to <gasps> wow. me. Wow. And she's, like, honking on the horn. Like, now you're making it a danger to me. I know, bitch. Just ain't fast in the furious. <laughs> right. And you and your little Honda Civic, you need to go around. Right. Because I'm not going to Well, were you in the left lane? I was all the way in the left. But I was already going 10 miles over the speed limit. All right. Which is, right. you know, within the limit. Uh-huh. I think it was nine. So I was still within the limit. But she had to be going, like, 30 miles over. And she's, like, weaving in and out of traffic. So she goes around me. She's weaving in and out of traffic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like, go ahead. A couple miles down the road, who do I see that the cops pulled over? Her ass. Her. Good. Or some people are assholes. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And I said what I said. All right, child. Well, let's get into the next segment of the show. It is tens, 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 tens across, across the board. board. This week, my tens goes to uh, a man who did something that was honorable and that leveled the playing field for these graduates. Oh. Um, actually, okay. I was in Atlanta during the Morehouse and Spelman graduations, although I did not attend them. You ever been to their homecoming? No. No? No. Oh, my God. So I went to Morehouse and Spelman Homecoming one year. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh, Keisha Knight Pulliam, who played Rudy Huxtable yes. on The Cosby Show. Yes. So she went to Spelman, and she's a member of Delta Sigma Theta, Sorority Incorporated. And so we went to their, like, Homecoming Step Show one year. Uh-huh. And she was literally, like, two feet from me. Like, oh I God. saw her walking up towards me, and I was like... Uh-huh. She looks familiar. And then I realized it was her, and she was, like, literally, like, as close as we are. Oh, my gosh. But I was, like, mute. I was dumbfounded. I could not speak. Why? And 
Because it was Rudy Huxable. And I, I opened my mouth to speak, uh-huh. and nothing came out. And she looked at me, and she was just like, and I waved. Yeah, and I waved, and she was like, hey. Yeah, oh. it was cute. But, yeah, so my 10 this week goes to the man who gave the commencement speech. I guess he received an honorary degree from Morehouse. Mm-hmm. His name is Robert F. Smith. Well, he's a billionaire. I never heard of him. Me um, But allegedly, he's a, let me stop saying allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> he is a technology investor and philanthropist. Uh, you know, um, he gave the speech, but not only did he give a speech to inspire students, but he did something mm-hmm. that will um, impact them for the rest of their lives. Okay. Because I know okay. what it's like to handle student debt. Okay. You know, granted, my student, my undergraduate student debt wasn't that much because I made the unfortunate decision to go to law school. It's like, no. <laughs> but, you know, the majority of my student debt is from law school. Should have got you one of them Tom Joyner scholarships. To law school? I mean... I don't think they did, though. They don't do them? No. Oh, okay. You need to write like, them Y'all that. niggers need to get an undergrad, <laughs> but if you want to go get a, a, a doctoral degree... That's on you. That's on you. Okay. So, but still, what he did was amazing for all these students. He committed to paying... Well, what he said in his speech well, was yes, that yeah. he was going to pay off all of their student mm-hmm. debt for the graduating class, mm-hmm. which consisted of, I believe, 396 seniors, so mm-hmm. almost 400 people. Yeah. Um, however, the you know me being the skeptic that I am, because okay. I still applaud this man. He gets my tens. That's amazing. Okay. I wish someone would have did that for me. Okay. I would have fell out. I would have did a praise dance. I would have did lots of things for this man. Okay. Some unspeakable. Oh. All. <laughs> but I would have thanked this man seriously for the gift that he gave. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does level the playing field because student debt can almost be like slavery these days. It can really yeah. inhibit you from pursuing your passions because you have bills to pay. Yeah. Uh, but. He pledged to donate $40 million mm-hmm. to cover the student loan debts of the graduating class. So that's almost four, you know, 400 students mm-hmm. divided by $40 million. I'm not good mm-hmm. at math. Do you know what that is? <laughs> On average. 100000 100, About. About 100000 each. But is Morehouse but even that expensive? It, over the course of four years that they had... Um, Loans for the entire time. Okay, yeah, because yeah, what yeah. I read is that the student, the, the total amount of student debt is still being calculated. Yeah, yeah So, yeah. but forty million for a class of four hundred people at that, that sounds like it's enough to cover, though. It sounds like it, but then but I, is this also for the graduate? Do they have a graduate school at Morehouse? Yeah, they do. Okay, but see, they have that's, school of medicine also. Oh, they have. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, see, now that's where it gets tricky. Is uh-huh. this? That's where it gets tricky yeah. for the again the the post grads, right. you right. know. But my question is what if i went there on scholarship and i don't have no debt then you handle that right me no you didn't write me a check no yes no yes no yes you should write me a check run me my money no because it's not you're a gonna penalize gift. me you're it's penal- not a pain it's not penalizing a, me how is a gift you a penalty said, you're just you just you even was- the playing field i worked my ass off and i got my adversity score up to get <laughs> this scholarship so he's just supposed to run them a check. Yes, I don't know. I do think if that, you have a hundred, my thing is because he is giving this to a gift of the graduating class. Uh-huh. I do feel as though students who are graduating with no debt, it's kind of like they're kind of. They, I can see your point. They don't get a gift. Yeah. If you have a hundred, but again, this is us, and, and this goes to us incentivizing mm-hmm. the lack of excellence. But all right. these men are excellent because they did graduate. Well, to varying degrees. Morehouse, but Ooh, don't do that. I'm sorry. They're a smart man. But I still think I'm going to give my 10s to Mr. Smith. He is amazing. This is I'm awesome. Um, you know, I did some research on him, and he is a divorcee. Ooh. He is in his uh, late 50s. So Mr. Smith is married to a uh, 34-year-old Hope Dorjbacek Smith. She's a former Playboy model. Um, she, I believe that she was a Playboy centerfold in April 2009. She was also a former contestant on uh, The Celebrity Apprentice, the same season really? as Mimi and Star Jones. Really? Yes, she didn't Ooh. win. But she's 34. Uh, she was born in 1984. And she was a former Miss Teen, Texas Teen USA. She mm-hmm. married Mr. Smith on in July of 2015. Together they have a son mm. whose name is Hendrix. And they have another son named Legend. (laughs) 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 But yes, she's a beautiful, buxom, curvaceous, spicy white lady. Spicy. You thought I was going to say Latina, didn't you? Yeah, I was like, white and spicy or oxymoron. uh, Not always. Mm. But yes, but she's with um, 
Mr. Smith, who was aged 56. But that is a lovely little situation. I, I, I uh, appreciate what he's done for these graduates of Morehouse. And this is a beautiful thing. I don't think it's going to set a standard because all these other wealthy folks is not fitting to give away their coins. They're not. Especially to uh, stranger black boys they didn't never met. But again, but tends to him. It's a charitable donation, so he'll get that he'll back. He'll write it off. Yeah, he'll get that back on the taxes. But good for you, Mrs. Smith. So this week, I'm giving my tens to physicist Walter E. Massey. Okay, he so Massey. Is, he received the Danavar Bush Award from the National Science Foundation for his contribution to public service and technology. Okay. Dr. Massey is a graduate of Morehouse College. Hey, yes, Morehouse in the house. It is. And he got his PhD in physics from Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, which is a very hard university to get into. So Prestigious. I need to know his um, adversity score. Ooh. But <laughs> <laughs> he has made numerous contributions to science and technology. And he wants to sustain the nation's quality of life and standard of living for the public. Is he married? Probably. He old. Oh, okay. So, probably. Yeah. But my tens go to him for this week. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for joining us for another week here at Category Is. Remember to subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. Also, like, rate, and write us a review. Yes. You can follow us and listen to us on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. Spotify. Be sure to check us out on social media. Our handle is at Category is Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And be sure to check out our Attitude Magazine feature. Attitude. Yes. Attitude. June 2019 is Pride Month across the world. Yes. Yes, we are on page 21. If you get your hard copy, you can also download it, attitude.co.uk. Don't forget to write us in here at categoryispod at gmail.com. Send us a listener letter, a category. Ask us questions about ourselves. Respond to someone else's listener letter. Yes. Get some interaction, guys. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks again for listening to us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.